0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com So, I want to tell you two stories that happened over Pesach that are amazing and unbelievable. A girl, two stories. I'm saying witness on these stories. I got a phone call from a girl that I'm dealing with who went through a lot of trauma and doesn't really want to live, and has told me many times if it wasn't that that dying that killing yourself is an Aveira and if she doesn't want you to do it, I'd be out of here. I have no reason to be in this world. A lot of pain. A lot of trauma, a lot of pain. Cutter, everything, you name it. So when she calls me up a week ago, no, ten days no ten days ago. I'm very scared. I'm like, what happened? She said, I have black and blue marks all over my body. Came out of nowhere. Nobody touched me. Nobody hit me. Um, I'm extremely weak. I feel very not well. I'm like, okay. Go to hospital. Find out what's going on. I don't like black and blue marks. Black and blue marks all over your body is a sign of blood cancer, leukemia. It's the number one sign. I wasn't very... Happy that I heard that, and she mamish had like all over her body, just everywhere, so she went to the hospital, not such a big hospital they did they took a blood test, her blood was so off, I saw the blood test like crazy numbers, kidneys weren't working well, her buN wasn't working well, white bloods huh no 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 no, no, white blood cells are off all the all the markers for leukemia for blood cancer um, were there so the doctors, like, they took one look at her and they said with all those black and blue marks and, and your numbers you have leukemia and she called me up and said well, Wallstein, I really don't want to die you know all that time I told you I want to die I, I really want to live I, I don't want to die from cancer I said listen oh, first of all this is a little hospital that you're in. Let's take you to a big hospital in Manhattan, Columbia. Top doctors. You're not dying so fast. Let's let's check it out. So she goes to Columbia. And they take her bloods. And they're amazed that she's still alive. She like has no blood in her body. You're supposed to have... Your white blood count is supposed to be uh, anywhere between 80,000 and... 120,000, and she had 4,000. It's like, they were shocked that she was still walking. Um, and everything was like way off, and the doctor said to her, uh, you know, we're going to take more tests and whatever, but uh, 95% is you have a very severe case of leukemia, of blood cancer. And we're going to have to do a chemo and whatever, we're going to try to save you. She called me up, she says, well, I'll see, what should I do? Uh," I'm like, I'm going to call Eretz Yisrael, I'm going to give her name, I'm going to give your name to a very big person there, let's see what they say. So I called up, I I got through, I gave the name, her her name, boss. her mother's name, and the answer I got back was, she has a very bad blood disease, but if she's macabre to keep Shabbos, she doesn't keep Shabbos. She's macabre to keep Shabbos. The next test, blood test, she will see miracles. Okay. I called her up. I'm like, you want to live? You want to get out of this? Listen to me. I didn't even tell this person what was wrong with you. And they came back that it's a blood disease and you got to keep Shabbos. She goes, I can't keep Shabbos. I can't keep Shabbos. I can't. I, I, I can't keep Shabbos. I haven't kept It's too hard. Tell the rabbi. Tell the person. I'll take out all my piercings. Uh, I, I'll keep kosher. I can't keep Shabbos. Okay. Call back. I said the girl that I called you. You're the name. Yeah. She'll take out all her piercings, and she'll and she'll keep kosher. Tell her Shabbos, not kosher, not piercings. Shabbos. She needs to be Macabal Shabbos. Okay, I'm not telling you a story that I heard from someone. This, I'm in this story. Okay, I said to her, listen, I'm not judging you and whatever, but you got to keep Shabbos. This is not... I didn't, I didn't even say to the person that you were sick with the blood disease. It seems to be that they have the right information. I want to live, I want to live, I can't keep Shabbos. I want to live, I can't keep Shabbos. I'm like, listen she told me to call I called, this is the information have a good day I can't, I can't do anything else okay she calls me from Colombia, and she says alright I'm keeping Shabbos I want to live I'll keep Shabbos as hard as it is for me I don't know how hard how much do I have to keep da, 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 da. I'm like Shabbos you have to keep Shabbos whatever She's was Macabo to keep Shabbos okay that was two days before Pesach so they took a blood test, and they, it takes time. They, they do all kinds of stuff with the blood. They came back and they said, they don't understand, but the blood has no cancer in it. Ah! Miracle! No. You see, blood cancer, leukemia, it may not be in the blood yet, but it's in the bone marrow. The blood comes from the bone marrow, so it could be that the cancer is in the bones, it didn't come into the blood yet, you're not out of the woods. We're going to do a bone marrow. We're going to take some bone marrow from your hip. They had, it's, a, it's an operation. They put her out, air of They put her out, and they took bone marrow. Yalta's over. I said, no. What's the deal? What you get? What came back?" She said, "I kept Shabbos." Um, they don't have an answer yet. Yesterday. What's today? Wednesday. Yesterday. She calls me up, Rabbi Wallerstein, there's no cancer in the bone marrow, it's plastic anemia, something like plastica anemia, it's a certain disease of the bone marrow, it's not going to kill you, it doesn't kill you, it's not cancer, it's very treatable. Everybody said it was cancer, everyone said it was leukemia she's back home she's back in life Shabbos I don't know crazy story Oh, for the rest of her life not only that I told her mother her mother was like what can I do I said make Shabbos 10 minutes early every week it's a big thing to make Shabbos 10 minutes early I'm telling a story it's not I heard the story it's not like someone told me the story I'm the one who called and gave the name in Israel I'm the one who made the phone call. She is so happy to be alive. This is a girl that just wanted to die. But when, you, when you're when facing real death, and sudden you're like, I really want to live. I want to see this. I want to see that. Maybe I want to have kids. I want to live. Everybody wants to live. In the end of the day, everyone wants to live. I think that anyone who jumps off a bridge on the way down, halfway on the way down, is like, uh-oh. I think I made a mistake. Everybody wants to live. Everybody wants to live. So... That's the story that just happened. Baruch Hashem spoke to her before I got here. She's like, okay, we got to sit and talk, Rabbi. What am I doing with my life? Let's go. It's like a different human being. That was the story of Shabbos. Okay. Um, What I'm going to be focusing on for the next two Shavuos, by the way, um, we'll talk to you girls about a Shavuos program, maybe. We'll see. Working on it. Um, Program. Two days away in a hotel. Uh-huh. Working on it. Um, very possibly it will happen. So uh, I mean, not only not only girls, families, everybody, like a like a Pesach program, but a Shavuos program. So what I'm going to be really focusing on the next couple of weeks is Rus, which we read on um, which we read on um, Shavuos, and I'm going to start today with David HaMelech because he went through a lot of abuse crazy abuse and we're going to learn about how we overcame it and we're going to learn can you give me a sitter from there a a big sitter please that has Tehillim in the back we're going to you know Daedal Melech wrote Tehillim in pain he wasn't a victim even though he was a victim he went through Gehenna his son tried to kill him his father-in-law tried to everyone tried to kill him pretty much and they thought he was a mamzer it's a whole crazy story then he wrote and then the Gemara says you can't even say with an Aveira with Bacheva. Because the milk was on a different level. Barry, you want to hear a fascinating thing? I'll tell you a fascinating thing. Beautiful Medrash about girls. About girls. Let me just see. I think it's Nun Nunhe. Nun he. Crazy story about girls. A very interesting Medrash on how Hashem looks at his daughters. Um, it's nun aleph. So, you know the story, anyone here know the story of, um, of Batsheva? Anyone know the story of Dada Malcolm Batsheva? He saw her, whatever it means, he fell in love with her, whatever that means. She was married to a guy, um, sent this guy to war knowing that he's going to be in the front line he's going to get killed, pretty much, he got killed and he got this guy's wife and this guy's wife was So Gemara says you can't really judge you can't really talk, because you can't talk bad about him whatever it was, but it doesn't seem to be such a, such a great such a great story but stories like this before, before this whole story happened the story is amazing um when Dumbledore, and we're going to learn about this, when David Melik killed Goliath, the giant, so Goliath was so big, so huge that he had a weapons carrier. He didn't carry his own weapons. He was this giant, and then next to him was this guy who carried his spear, his shield, his sword, whatever his sword he actually wore, but the keys to his sword, and he was uh he was what's it called? He was. Um, the sword carrier we're going to learn about the whole story of of how David killed um, how David killed Goliath and why he wasn't scared and everybody else was scared but who knows the name of the guy that was a sword carrier anyone here know the name? definitely know the name of the guy who was a sword carrier yes you do of course you do can you give me a chumash no I actually need a navi I actually need a navi, and I have a navi. I have, I have, I have it. Amazing stuff! It's, it's, it's. It'll help all of us. What we're going to learn is going to help all of us through life. Because if he could overcome that stuff and write to heal him, wow. See if Rashi says Nun Aleph. Who was a sword carrier? No, not live. Can someone? Come on, come on, come on. was his name the sword carrier's name who was who was Bat first husband New. A... Rabbi Grossberg are you here no. the Rabbi needs help I can't believe I forgot it anyway do you want me to call Rebecca now, is Rabbi Gosberg there? No. It should be in the posseg. Um Okay, anyway. Um, so the third carrier had the key. Rabbi said Uriah? Yes. Uriah, right? Right. So, and he was married to Bacheva. What does it say there? Is he was married to Batsheva? Google, yeah. See if he's married to Batsheva. Yeah. Uriachiti. Uriachiti. Okay, we got it. So his name was Uriachiti. Now, listen to this, because this is mainly for girls. Uriachiti, when David knocked down Goliath, and he needed to get Goliath's sword, Goliath's sword was locked in the scabbard. It couldn't come out. Uriachiti, the weapons carrier, had the key. David Melech went to Uriachiti and said, Listen, mister, I don't know where you're hiding the key, but if you give me the key, so I can take out the sword, so I can chop his head off, I'll reward you. So at that time, David was not the Melech. Shaul was the Melech. So David asked him, to Uriachiti, asked him, um, Uriachiti asked David Melech, What are you going to give me? What are you going to give me as a reward? So David Melech said, Any unmarried girl in the Jewish nation, that you want to marry, if you become a Gare, if you become a Gare, then I'll make sure that you get to marry her. No That's a pretty good deal. He said, I'll get, I'll, I'll I'm, I'm the man, I just killed Gullius. You know a girl that you want to marry, and you become a gear, you become Jewish, not Jewish to get married to a girl, but become Jewish to keep everything, I'll get you whoever you want so Uriachiti said no well, at this point he wanted to be Jewish anyway because he just saw a miracle so he ended up marrying Bat Sheva says the Medrash that when he told Uri Yechiti, any Jewish girl that you want I'll get you Hashem said you're making my Jewish daughters free whoever you want you can get I'm taking away your Sherech David HaMelech because you did that I'm taking away your zivug. His zivug was Bathsheba. So, yes, when he saw Bathsheba, he wanted to marry her because that was his real zivug. But he lost his zivug because Hashem said, you can't make my girls free. Whoever wants them. That's how Hashem looks at his daughters. And in the end, Hitaka married he, he married uh, Bathsheba. But Uri Echith, Uri he married her first. Anyway, I heard another ridiculous story on Pesach. And I think it's very important for everyone who's listening. So in Baditchev, in Europe, um, there was a, a rabbi, his name was Revlevi Levi Yitzchak Mibaditchev. Rav Levi Mibaditchev was always able to find the good in any person. No matter what that person was doing wrong, he would find something good in it. He was very famous for that. So there was a story in Baditchev that, I believe it was on Yom Kippur, and the Rebbe was davening, and he seemed to be struggling. Something was going on in Shemayim. There was some kind of struggle going on in Shemayim. And, all of a sudden, at the end of davening, he started smiling, and he was extremely happy. So, the people asked the Badit Rebbe, of Levi Yitzchak, what happened? We saw that you were, you were not davening happy and then at the end of Yom Kippur you were like a new man. What happened? He says, honestly, I saw there were very bad storm clouds. I saw that there was going to be a disaster for Clyde 12 this year. And I tried to break the gzera. I tried to break the edict and it didn't break. And then, one person in this shul said something and it totally broke. So like... Who's the big rebel? Like, who, who, whose tefillah is bigger than the Badicheva Rebbe's? So he said, You're not going to believe it, but it's the wagon driver. The guy Mavich didn't know anything. Plain peasant wagon driver who came to Shul. He said, The wagon driver? The wagon driver's tefillah was accepted and yours wasn't? Like, what are you talking about? He said, At the end of Yom Kippur, the wagon driver said to Hashem, Listen, I'm trying a whole day. I can't read a word of Hebrew. I don't know how to read Hebrew. It's not it's not going. But I know the Aleph Base. So he read the Aleph Base. Aleph Bay is giving. Right, right. Raish Shin Sin tough. God, I don't know anything more than the Aleph base. So, you know what we need this year. Take my letters and make them into words. You make them into words. I don't, know how, I don't know Jewish words. He said, and Hashem took this wagon driver's pure tefillah, pure davening, and he put the words together from his letters, and that broke... Zerah. Wow. Now there happened to have been someone there who was a rabbi and he heard the story and he was like amazed, like, the Rebbe's davening, Hashem's not listening. Some wagon driver, doesn't know more than an olive base saying, here's my letters, you put them together. Okay. The next year this guy who was is in Luxembourg Lumberg, Lumberg, a different place they Mamesh, the people in Shul, Mamish didn't know anything and he got up and he told the story he says, even if you don't know anything just the Aleph Beys, say the Aleph Beys and say Hashem, you put the letters together they said, Rabbi we don't know the Aleph bays. we don't even know, we're such peasants we don't even know the Aleph bays. so what should we do? So he says that was the story. He said, The rabbi got up and said, Okay, everybody in Shul, I know you don't know how to read. Repeat after me Aleph, Aleph, Bez, Bez. Through the whole thing. He said Gimel, they said Gimel. He said Dalit, they said Dalit. After the whole davening, they didn't daven, after he said all the letters, he said Hashem, all the letters that they followed me and they said, put it together. And make a tefillah. So, there are many people listening to this shir that, I don't have kavana, I don't know what the words mean, it's hard for me to dive in. You see, that what God really wants is purity. It's not, of course you should try to learn the words, and you should read, and you should know the translation. But if you don't, don't think Hashem doesn't doesn't hear you. Aho a aho kezerah was broken... Because some guy said the alif base and said to Hashem, "You put it together." Everybody has that koyach. Every person has that koyach. Okay, let's go to let's go to David HaMalech. Could you? I, I need a chumash. Give me a chumash. I need I need me for a minute, and then we'll go we'll go into a little deeper so you understand who he is. I wish you would take notes, because this is like some really fascinating stuff I'm about to tell you. you don't take notes, you're not going to remember it. But okay, don't have to. Some of you have trauma when I say the word notes, because your teacher is like, bring a note from your parents. I need a note from your parents. Bring a note from the principal. So when I say the word notes, you're like, well, notes. Right? Notes. But on your phones, you can write notes, right? Okay, for some reason. The phone is the phone. Right? There's a notebook on your phone. My phone has no notebook. I don't even have a notepad. You guys have notebooks. Okay. Very, very important. We're not going to talk about it this time, but I've got to tell you the end of it so you understand a little bit. So, Rus... Everyone knows the story of Rus... You know, it's very funny. I don't know. You know, a lot of girls named Ruth. My name. You Ruth. I know someone a second name. Well, one name or two names. After. No. Oh, I'm sure after somebody. Maybe you, you were born in uh, Sivan. Oh. I mean, oh. Okay, so that's why. I mean, after. You could either be so Na- like... no. You could be Ruth or Naomi. Right. Naomi, Naomi. I have a granddaughter, Naomi. I call it. Everyone calls her Naomi. I'm like, that's not. If you're talking about the Naomi from Rus, her name is Naomi. So I call her Naomi, and they're all like, no, Naomi. But anyway. So, she came from Moav. We're going to get more into it next week, but she came from Moav, and the Torah says that you're not allowed to marry a person from Moav. But the way the Torah says it is Moavi. Now, does anyone here know why you're not allowed to marry a person from Moav? What? Anyway, no. why can't I marry a person from Moab? What did they do? They what? They didn't give him to eat. What else did they do? No, that wasn't Moab. That was Sodom. No, that wasn't Moab. They sent down girls. They sent down, Bilaam sent down girls from Moab and Midian to be with the Jewish men. And Hashem got very angry and 24,000 men died because they knew that if they're going to do pritzes, immorality that's something that Hashem won't forgive so they killed 24,000 and when we went out of Mitzrayim we were hungry and thirsty we asked them for food and water and they said no big deal now girls, what would you think would come first in the Torah? the Torah says you're not going to marry Mo'avi and there are two reasons one, 24,000 men died totally immoral girls totally whatever, I don't want to use the word or they didn't give them to eat. Which would be the worst of the two? Kill twenty four thousand guys. What? food you starving you're basically. No, they lived anyway. Twenty-four thousand people immorality? No, the Torah doesn't put that's number two. You're right. Number one is chessed. Why? Because immorality is not a midah. It's not a midah, it's an Aveira. But not giving people to eat is a midah, you're a rush, you're not, you're no chesed. And the Jews said to them, one second, Avramavinu Avinu saved Lot by the four kings and the five kings, Moav comes from Lot. So with your, with your, with your, with If one of the rush, there's no Moav. Okay, so, because of that, but the Torah says, Le'yavah Moavi, a Moavi cannot come into Klai Yisrael. So Boaz learned that Moavi means a man, it's, 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 it's male, Moavi is male. And it doesn't say Moavis, it doesn't say you can't marry a girl from Moab, it says you can't marry a man from Moab. So Boaz was a rabbi, married a girl, which was Rus, and had Anishai and down the line and then Dabit Amel. So Dabit Amel comes from a Moavis, comes from a bad place. Right? Very hidden. Now, why why you allowed to marry a This Because a girl is not sneers to come down to give food to men. So that they were supposed to make the food and their husbands were supposed to bring the food. So them not coming to give men food was an Avera, it was sneers. So we can't punish them. So that's why they weren't punished. And therefore, David HaMelech was born from a great-grandmother who was a Moavist, and that was not accepted in Klai And they said, no, when the Torah says you can't marry a Moavist, it means a Moavist and a Moavist. Now Yishai, who came from Rus, had many children. And the Jewish people were saying that all your children are not Jews. Because your grandmother was Rus, and therefore, they're all not kosher, because they come from a Moavist, and we hold that you're not allowed to marry a Moavist. So Yishai's children were all not accepted, sort of. So Yishai came up with a plan how to have a child that would be kosher. How? By marrying his maid. Marrying his maid. She gets pregnant. He frees her. The child becomes a ger. And then he's back into Klai So what did he do? He told his wife, I love you. We have a bunch of kids together. But, you know, Kali is not sure if they're really legal or not. So I want to have at least one legal child. So we're going to separate. Separation, not divorce, but separation. You go on your own. And I'm going to marry your maid. The, the, the wife who knew, Yishai went to Olam Hab alive. He went to Gan alive because he never did an Avera. She said, my husband, this tzaddik, is going to sleep with a, with a maid? So I'm going to do what Rachel and Leah did. They switched places. So she paid the maid a lot of money. And that night, she actually slept with her husband. Her husband thinking that he slept with the maid. What happens? She gets pregnant. How could she, get, how could she get pregnant? If she's separated and she's still married and she gets pregnant, the child's a mamzer." She committed adultery. She wasn't... But legally, legally they're still not divorced. You can't, you can't sleep with a man until you're divorced. you ever get? Right, but he, he didn't know with her. Oh, okay. he, his, all of a sudden, his wife, three months after they're separated, how, how'd you get pregnant? You're not allowed to be with any man. We're separ- you didn't get divorced. You committed adultery. He's a mamza. God has a sense of humor, right? All the kids with fired. them. Black hair, dark, handsome, tall. This baby that she's pregnant with, she said, No, no, it's not true. It was me. He's not a mamzer. He's kosher. They're oh, like, no, we don't believe you. What does Hashem do? The baby's born short, blue eyes, red hair. And ain't the same father as the one that had all these sons that were tall, dark eyes, and dark, dark skin. So, he's like... You didn't get pregnant for me. Don't tell me no stories about a maid. You went out and committed adultery. Now you got this little momzer, This little redhead momzer. I don't want anyone to know we have a momser in the house. A momzer layover because of shame. Can't get married. Can't, a lot of it's, it's really bad. He said, so let's hide him in the desert. We'll give him a tent. We'll send them food. I don't want anyone to know that we have a mumser in the house. So they sent this little boy girl's. This little redhead with amazing eyes. There's a whole medrash about his eyes. He could look at you, he could turn you into stone. Like crazy he had crazy colors in his eyes, right? And he was an admaini. He was a redhead. I think that all Jewish kids that are redheads probably have some kind of blood from Dabanamala, because we didn't have red hair. We we came from the Middle East. We didn't have red hair. So this little redhead with blue eyes, sparkling blue eyes, they sent him into Beslecha and they sent him into the desert. And he hid him away. And he became a shepherd. Best place to grow and become great is in the desert. Nothing to talk about. Moshe Rabbeinu, where did he go? He said, I can't deal with people. became a shepherd. That's what he did. What did Yaakov do? He said, at night it was freezing, whatever it is. I was out in the, des- I was out in the desert. I was a shepherd. Then when I became a shepherd. Why? Because when there's no people, you get to see God. Less people, more God. Anyway, I want you to hear... I have to tell you that Rabbi Ronnie Greenwald, who always said, that when I look at a girl or a boy, I don't see who they are now. I see who they could become. He used to call it his rose-colored glasses. I want you to hear, girls, this is not Rabbi Wallstein, This is not a therapist. I want you to hear what God thinks of people. Okay? So again I'm late today so I'm not going to go into the whole story of Shaul and why he lost the Malchus also very big lessons to learn Hashem tells Shmuel Navi, Shaul is no longer the king I want you to go to the house of Yishai and and anoint one of his sons to become the king and from that king till Moshiach Moshiach ben David, right Shem Yehuda all the kings the, the kingship the Jewish nation will come from Sheba Yehuda so it's very important which boy you pick from Yishai's children listen to this he comes to Yishai Shmuel, looking for the king of kings for the king who is going to be the king listen to what happens so he comes to Yishai now he doesn't know about this kid hidden in the, in, in Beis Lechem in the desert he has no idea about him I once really made I once really tricked a kid so um, they're, they're behind the cosel, behind on her, near Hazesim is the Kever of Shmuel Hanavi of this Shmuel The Kevah Shmuel Navi. So it was one of my Talmudim, and I said to him, Do you know if who's buried there? Shmuel Alf or Shmuel Bez? He said, I think Shmuel Alf. I don't know where Shmuel Bez buried. I'm like, It's all the same Shmuel. It's just called Shmuel Alf, Shmuel Bez. There were no two Shmuel's. You don't know what I'm talking about, but okay. Yeah, it's, it's like a rabbi joke. Right, okay. So they're sending Rabbi Wallstein in to find the leader. Find me the leader of Brisk, of Ornava, find new leader. Find me the man, okay? I'm going to look for guy has got to be handsome, got to be tall, got to be able to speak amazing, got to be tired Mitfis, got to be a tznuah, right? Well, find a guy. I must say, after Mr. Abel al show why are you crying so much about Shm- about Shaw? Get over him. I don't want him, I rejected him. Stop crying about the past. Let's go into the future. And fill your horn of oil. Go to Yishai. Hashem says to Shmuel, I see that one of Yishai's sons is the next king. Doesn't tell... Doesn't tell Shmuel who the next king is. He could have said David. He doesn't say that. He just tells Shmuel, Yishai, one of his sons, is the next king. Okay? So, Vayom Shmuel, uh-oh, shol If Shol hears about this, he's going to kill me. He said, no, don't worry. We're going to do it in a way that he won't be able to kill you. Okay, but Yehuda beis lechem, he comes to beis lechem. But Yehuda he says shalom aleichem. Va'yibavoyim va'yar es Eliav. Now Eliav was the oldest. He was downright good looking. Okay, I'll tell you what Rashi says. Va'yama ach ach negel Hashem mishichay. Here he is. This is what Hashem wants. He's the one I'm going to annoy. Why? Zot Rashi. Why? Shmuel said in his heart, "This guy, he looks, he looks royal. He looks like the right guy." Okay, that's what he thought. Big mistake. Let's see what happens. And this is for you girls. Listen carefully. Hashem, especially when you look for a shidduch. By Hashem, Al don't don't stare at his looks. But I'll give and how tall and handsome he is. Kimiastiu. Because I have rejected him. Why? Adam Ki Adam Nayim. I don't look at people, girls. Now this is that Rabbi Wallace. God is saying this in the Pasik. I don't look at people. The way they look, ki humans They go by what they see, but Hashem says me levav. I look at their heart. Hello, when you look at a first and this gorgeous, handsome, with dimples, tall, dark, handsome guy dressed to kill, getting out of his Lamborghini, Right? Well, you're like, wow, well that's the kind of guy I want. Hashem's like, no. Don't go by looks. Look at his heart. Look what's going on in his heart. You want a good guy? It's all you want. You want someone who's going to treat you like you're the most precious thing that he ever found in his life. The rest of it is garbage. Take it from me. I deal with this every day. Garbage. It's nice to be attractive. Don't get me wrong. It can't be someone that you... But it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. just the opposite automatically, the more that a person thinks of himself, the less he thinks of others. The more that a person thinks of themselves, there's no room in that heart to think of anyone else. You don't want a guy that works in like, I'm it. Because if he's it, you're not. You don't want a broken, depressed guy either. should be normal. You should have self-esteem. But not a guy that's, you know, I'm doing her a favor by marrying her she's my mantelpiece you know I'll let her sit next to me in my, in my car no oh you have to find a guy that has a heart and that cares about people and that gets along with his parents because let me tell you something I, I'm not giving a shit of class today but I should let me tell you something you get into a car with a guy in a shit shitter and he starts bad mouthing his parents you need to know that the first relationship this guy ever had is with his parents and if he's not successful at that and he doesn't appreciate what they did for him. Listen, his mother, I don't care how dysfunctional she is. She diapered you. She burped you. She took you to the doctor. She didn't sleep for the first two years of your life. She did your homework. She didn't sleep every time you didn't feel well. I mean, come on. No matter how dysfunctional she is, there has to be a carcer toy for that. There has to. So a guy who doesn't have a carcer toy, but he's busy in the car, man, my mother, my father. He's going to do the same thing to you. Not right now, because he wants you right now. But it's going to happen. If he flunked in his first relationship, my question about all my son-in-law's first question was, do they get along with their parents? Do they get along with their parents? And my second question is, I know he's in yeshiva and he's a big masmid, but does he learn with a boy that's not from, does he give an hour or two a day to learn with a kid that doesn't know how to learn? Because being a learner is very good. But if you don't have a heart, you know, the chesed, The wife needs that heart. I'm sure she appreciates that he's learning, but a guy who's learning without a heart? So Hashem in the Pasek here says, Mr. Shmuel HaNavi, don't get carried away with this guy. That he's tall, handsome, dark. I don't like him. Why? Why did Hashem like him? What did he do wrong? Says Rashi... Said Rashi, Kilo Asher Yira Adam Hashem says, Don't go by the way a person looks. Even though you said, right, that um, you think you saw him, before you said, I, I see, I'm telling you here that you don't see. What was wrong with this guy? What was wrong? Why didn't Hashem like him? Right? Says the Matzudas David: "Imah Nira Hu Yifrei Naim, Adam." You think that that he's beautiful? That's what you see. The Ain Leklais Hamelucha B'Davah Zeh. Don't don't rely on the kingdom because Hashem Yira Lelevav. Hashem sees the heart. Is it good? Uwezei That's what counts. I, this is. Not Rabbi Wallenstein's advice on Shaduchim. This is the Torah. What was wrong with this guy? What was wrong with him? He had a terrible temper. Let's see what he says. He says that he had a very bad temper. And because of a temper that Hashem hates. And I always tell girls... That if you see a temper, the guy has a temper, run the other way. Because you know what? Very hard to fix. A temper is very hard to fix. Okay, so, so Eliav was out the door. Next son, even better looking maybe. Okay, Yishai said to his next son, come, come, you're the guy. And Shmuel said, Nope. This is not the right kid. And he brought his next kid. And he said, no! Hashem did not pick him either. He brought all seven sons in front of Shmuel. Shmuel said to Yishai, we're going to end with this. The rabbi is here. Sorry to give you the bad news. But all your seven boys... They're not good enough for Mulcha. I'd be very upset if someone told me my seven boys are not good. But that's what, that's what he said. So now he's got a problem. Hashem said, one of Yishai's boys is going to be the next king. He just saw all seven of them. Great looking guys. You know, nice looking, tall, dark, handsome. Powerful warriors. And like, Shmuel's like, I have Ruch kodesh, and it's none of them. But we're out of kids. There's no more kids. Well Yom HaShuala Yishai... He tamo na arim, is that it? Shmuel said to Yishai, you don't have have any more kids? I got a problem here. Hashem said it's one of your kids. It's not one of your kids. Oh, yeah, there's this girl in uh, my classes. Not really. She's like, uh, she's got disabilities. That can't be the one. That can't be the one. She's not special. She may be special needs. She's not special. So Shmuel said to Yishai, you got any more kids? Oh, yeah. But he's not like one of us, cause he's a momzer. Cause so that's what he thought. Little redhead. You hear what he said? He said, um, the youngest one, yeah, he's left. Like, right, loser. He's not, you don't want to talk to this guy. If my seven boys are not the right one, he's a momzer, in base Lechem, red hair, my wife committed adultery, like, no. No way. You know what, girls? Greatness comes from the place you're not looking for it. He said, listen, I, 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 I gotta see him, because all your other kids didn't make it. You know, right about time, he's not even here. He's not home. We, we got rid of him. He's not home. He's in a, a what's it called, dormitory school. <laughs> he sent him, we got him out of the house. We sent him out to base Lechem. Well, Shmuel says, I gotta see him. But Send them to my boy, boy, you got to bring him here, because I'm not leaving until I see this kid. This Nebuch. But Yishlach, they sent by and they brought him. And it's interesting that the Pesach says this. Well, who had Moimi? He was a redhead. He didn't fit with the rest of the family. He fit into that, it was adultery. In yifer he had beautiful eyes. He had crazy eyes. There's a whole medrash on His eyes were... Had every color of, 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 the, of... All the colors in the world were in his eyes. The third Rai. And he has a very pleasing appearance. But he was short. David Melech wasn't tall. How do we know he was short? Anyone know the Medrash? This is David. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Not the best kid in school. The kid they threw out. Threw out of the house. Threw him out of the house. Sent him to Bethlehem. Hello... He was short. How does anyone know that he was short? Anyone know how you know he was short? Because Shaul was tall, and they put they put Shaul's armor on David, and didn't fit. It was way big, and a miracle happened that it shrunk to fit David David And And David Hamelch said, "Uh oh! When Shaul sees this, he's going to see that I'm taking over the crown. Please don't make it fit." And he told Shaul, "I can't wear them. I'm not comfortable." Yeah. But Yehima Hashem, I love this story, girls. It's The underdog. This is the story of Mashiach. This is Mashiach's great grandfather. But Yahweh Hashem, I love God. Listen to God. Come, get up, Shmuel. Because Shmuel's looking at this kid like, redhead? Like, what's going on, right? Come, anoint anointed. Kizehu, Kizehu, this is. David HaMelech, that from him will come Mashiach, and all the kings in the Jewish nation will come from the redhead mamzer that you thought he was, threw him into Beis Lechem, didn't even count him as one of your kids, when I said I want to see your kids. Can you imagine the trauma? He didn't even put him up as one of his kids. Hashem said, but he's one of my kids. And he, he anointed him amongst all his brothers and Hashem put his spirit on the forsaken boy on the one with the disability Shmuel got up he said that's the man if you don't get chizik from this story there is something wrong with you because there is no girl in this room and nobody listening to this shir that was ever called a mamzer Who's ever sent into a desert, and, and 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 when the parents are asked, not even mentioned as one of their kids. I hope there's no one in that in that trauma. And that's what this David malik went through. And his father-in-law tried to kill him. And his own son of Shalom tried to kill him. Everybody tried to kill him. Hid in a cave. Spiders pushed him. Captured him. He had to act like a crazy man. He had the worst life. His shidduch was taken away from him. But Sheva, the worst life. I don't have time. We're going to read it to him that he wrote. And you know when he wrote about Avshalom, imagine his son killing him. He called it a mizmar. He called it a mizmar. That my son tried to kill me. He called it a mizmar. He, he called it a song. It's not normal. And what he wrote about himself and, and his sin that he felt he did is in Nunalath and you should read it if you get a chance and the English translation about owning your stuff. And we're going to learn about it next week. Because this generation, you don't own nothing. My mother's fault. My father's fault. The school's fault. God's fault. The crossing lady's fault. I don't know. It's everybody's fault. The Democrats, the Republicans. It's everybody's fault. Nobody owns anything. We're taught, it's not my fault. My parents are abusive. My squeezy doll doesn't work anymore. It's abusive. Everything's abusive. And double Melach who was the king, who, you never even talk about the relationship he had with Bathsheba. You don't even talk about it, the Gemara says. Gets up and owns his sin. Publicly. Writes about it in Nun Aleph. In an amazing way. We're going to learn it next week in Mitzvah Shem. And I have to tell you that I got up a long time ago. It's on Torah Anytime. And it's called a share called rationalization. About how you can do the worst thing in the world and make it right. And I talked about my problem with gambling for 15 years. I had an addiction, I was a gambler. I'm not scared to say it on Twitter anytime because they all know it. And, and how I got out of it, in Baruch Hashem, it's 25 years later. And I'm talking on a very high level. And a lot of rabbis called me and said, you made a mistake about talking about it because people have you holding you on this pedestal. And now you made yourself into, you, about you a gambler and you had an addiction and no one's going to follow you the same way and everyone's going to look at you different. I got a lot of reaction to that chair called rationalization. And my answer to them was, hey, I'm just Wallerstein. Dober a Melech, Dober And he put it on, he put it on He wrote about it. They didn't write about him. He wrote about it. And he wasn't scared to put it out there. So that people should learn a lesson from it. I'm not David, on If he could do it, I definitely can do it. Because he should have hit it. Nebuchadnezzar says he not even talk about it. But he talks about it. Look at Nunalf. He owns every part of it. But he says it's not about people, it's about me and God. It's amazing. We're going to learn it inside next week. You've got to own your stuff. You've got to own your stuff. Because guess what? All the people you're blaming on your stuff, they're not going to fix it. They're not going to fix it for you. You've got to fix it. You've got to own your stuff. Do you have a right... When you're in pain or when in trauma, absolutely, got to figure out what to do. But at the end of the day, you got to figure out what to do. You got to go forward. You've got to go forward. A Holocaust was a terrible thing, and I, I, I don't even understand how they went forward. I, I'll end with this because everything that happens on the day that I that I come to this to, to school happens for a reason. i want to tell you what happened this morning, and then I'm going to leave. There's a man that sits in front of me. He's a Hasidic man. A wonderful man. Every day he comes to shul. He's probably, I don't know, 60. He's probably 70. And we were talking about what kids go through and trauma and all this other stuff. He said, well, whilst I, lived, I lived in Montreal. He lived in Montreal. So when I was a little boy, the Frenchies, they, the Montreal French, they don't like Jews. Quebec. He said, I was a little boy. I was five years old. I was walking to yeshiva. And a bunch of these Frenchies teenagers grabbed me and took me down to the trains, to the train tracks. And they undressed me. They took my pants off, they took my underpants off, and they wanted to show everybody what a Jew's birth looks like. Imagine, he's five years old. Do you want trauma? I said, whoa. He said, not only that, they didn't give me back my pants and my underwear. So I went home, as a five-year-old boy, without any clothing on. I said, how did you get past that? Like, how... How's a person get past that? You fight. I mean, that's crazy. He said, my father went through the Holocaust. And even when I was a little boy, he told me what he went through. And my grandfather, and he said, oh, I made up my mind at five years old that when I get, when I get older, I'm going to beat these guys up. He said, and oh boy, when I was 19 years old, that's all I did was fight with Frenchies. I said, it's amazing that you're, he's unbelievable, he's happy. I should even bring him here to speak, whatever it was. He said, this is what he said to me, and this is what I want to end off with. It's not a judgment on anyone that can't do it. There's no judgment. I'm not a ju- I don't judge anything. He said, Rabbi Wallerstein, what was my choice? I said, what do you mean? He says, that's it. I should have ended my life. I should have ended at five years old. What was my choice? He said, I had to go on. So I went on. Now he has children and grandchildren that come to Shore and just finish shot whatever it is. He's an amazing man. The answer is yes, people that suffer and and, and I deal with a lot of people that suffer and I went through my own stuff, whatever it is. We need we need help and we need to grow and, 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 and and we need people to care about us and to help us. But at the end of the day, what's our choice? What's our choice? What was the choice of those six... What was your choice? They came to America. Yes, some of them went off to Derech and I'm sure they won't be judged for it. And everybody made their own choice. But at the end of the day, you got to go on. We got to go on. We just got to plug on. And yes, it takes a piece out of us. And, you know, it's like... I I say, like, like abuse is like cutting someone's arm off. You you cut someone's arm off, you can't give them another arm. The arm is off. But, um, I knew someone who lost both his legs. Actually, the son of... Mrs. Ben Ezra who was the head of Kranat Yeshiva where I went to school and he started, this guy had no legs and he he lost to cancer or he lost it in the war, I'm not sure he started the Olympics basketball in wheelchairs they had the special Olympics basketball played in wheelchairs he started the whole thing so he took it and yeah and he ran with it, whatever did he get back his legs? No can he run up a hill? No This is Dabra Melech. This is Dabra Melech. He was gone. Came to Melech. And in his pain, what did he write? What did he write? It was the most beautiful book that exists. That when you're in pain, that's what you say. He wrote to heal him. No anger, begging, pity, love. We to heal him. Read what he wrote in his pain. I'm not judging anybody, but look what you could become. And that's why the next Told is we're going to learn about Rus. We're going to learn about the Melech. We're going to learn about the giant. We're going to learn about his his whole thing with Avshalom and everything that he went through in life because he is the ultimate person that owned his stuff and became Malchus, and so did Rus. Emma Malchus, her story. Ooh. they didn't accept her either they threw her over the fence they said you're a Moavi you're nothing you're garbage she had the worst wife she's called Eva Malchus that's what Hashem was saying I look at your heart that's what I look at everyone here needs to know I know Shabbos and everything I told you the story it's all very important and you have to keep Torah with mitzvahs at the end of the day the wagon driver that said the Aleph Bays and said I don't know how to put the letters together for me that's the one that broke the, that broke the zero. thank you. Sorry Rabbi. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com